You are listening to Equilibrium by Peace. My name is Serene Slabbert, and today we're talking to Jimmy Vidali from La Ferme des Lobes about veganic farming and the sanctuary poop dilemma. So yeah, thank you so much, Jimmy, for coming today and talking to me all about veganic farming and all the wonderful things surrounding it. Um, I would love to ask you, how did you get into veganic farming or even like this whole, you know, I know you were a farmer before, but is that, and then it just naturally progressed when you became vegan. So yeah, if you could just give us a little bit of a backstory, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I have been growing my own food for 25 years. Uh, I've had two farms, one in Arizona, which was organic, and now the one La Ferme de Lobe here in Boileau, uh, Quebec, since 2014. Um, so I've been into organics for a very, very long time. Uh, I've been a professional farmer for 18 of those 25 years. So uh, it's, well, let's just say it's one of my passions as it stands now. Um, for me, I think it comes down to two defining moments in my life on why I became a farmer and then why I became a veganic farmer. So I'll start with the, with the, why I became a farmer. So in 1997, I had the opportunity to leave. I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana for two and a half years. And I decided to take off and look for a new home. At the time I had a 1973 Volkswagen bus. And so I packed it with all my belongings and took off south from, from New Orleans, took off through Texas. And as I was trying to find a place to live or a place to camp, I ended up on this kind of dirt track on the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And as I was going along that track, all of a sudden I started seeing uh, fence after fence after fence of all these fenced cows. And the cows were standing up to their elbows in their own manure. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, what's going on? At the time, I, I was a carnivore or omnivore, I guess. But I didn't, I, I didn't know what that was. And there were four of them. And there were probably a thousand cows. And as I looked off sort of to the distance, I saw this building, with no windows and the smoke billing out, out of it. And this, this kind of uh, shoot going up to it. And I realized what I was seeing and I had no idea was a concentrated animal feeding operation live, like in front of me. Oh, and the smell was horrid. It was burning my nostrils. And the worst part about it, besides the exploitation of the cows, was there was this runoff from the manure that was traveling along the roadway and it filtered all the way into the Gulf of Mexico. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? So I became instant vegetarian like i stopped eating everything to do with eating meat that day that was in 1997 but i still didn't really make the connection and understanding of uh the exploitation that goes on with animals and and farming and i i didn't really get that uh so after i left that farm in arizona i kind of traveled around for a few more years which is another long story but i ended up back in montreal and I had, I was married at that point uh, to my wife, Melanie, and she's a Quebecoise. And I was working on a farm on the West Island of Montreal. And it was fine. It was a, it was an organic vegetable farm and it was fine. And we used manure and we used animal products and we didn't really think twice. But then all of a sudden about late October, I get this email in my inbox all of a sudden from an old friend of mine who I was uh, who I was in college with, we were old college roommates, and I've been friends ever since, been friends 30 years. 
And his name was Kip Anderson. And Kip Anderson is, uh, along with his partner Keegan Kuhn, are the directors of Cowspiracy. And at that time in 2013, they hadn't finished their film yet. They were trying to finalize their understanding of what they were gonna do with the agriculture part of the film. So he sent, shoots me an email that says, what do you know about veganic farming? And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, well, that sounds interesting. I wasn't, I was still vegetarian, but I wasn't vegan. And I was, I said, well, that's fine, but you can't, you can't grow anything without manure, Kip. <laughs> And <laughs> so after that, Keegan got involved. They started sending me all these links and all this information. And over time, over the progression, I realized that maybe I didn't have it quite right. Like maybe there was a way to grow without exploiting animals. So um, when I knew that I was going to promote the film throughout the eastern part of Canada and Toronto and in Quebec, uh, both in Montreal, Quebec City, and Sherbrooke, I knew that I really needed to become vegan. Uh, I really couldn't promote a vegan film with vegan directors if I was kind of faking it along the way. So I took the 30-day challenge. I became vegan. Um, that happened in uh, August of 2014. And about two months later, I had the opportunity to buy this place here, um, realizing then that I was going to start completely from scratch creating a veganic farm. It's like a clean canvas, right? You get to start fresh. That's right. Clean slate. Clean slate. <laughs> Love it. So for anybody who's not aware of veganic farming, do you have a good explanation of what it is, please? Yeah. So vegan organic uh, farming for food and fiber crops is a combination of the words vegan and organic. Organic in this context can be anything that is of natural origin. So it could be anything animal, vegetable, mi mineral of natural origin. Uh, vegan, well, as we know as vegans, vegan is uh, not using any animals for our food, for entertainment purposes, for our clothing, for cosmetics, for any kind of exploitation at all. So when you put the two words together, now what we have is veganic uh, farming and growing, which would basically mean that we grow completely without the use of exploiting of any animals at all. So we don't use their manure, we don't use their byproducts, um, we don't use blood meal, bone meal, fish emulsion. We don't use anything that has to do with the suffering or consequent suffering of animals uh, in veganic growing and farming. But it goes a little bit beyond that as well. Um, we also, as veganic growers, won't spray for either pesticides, organopesticides, which is allowed in the national organic standards, uh, we won't spray any organopesticides and we won't spray any organofungicides because what ends up happening when we spray for these things is that we disrupt the delicate ecosystem, the delicate balance of the insect populations that exist in our gardening systems. And by spraying it all, we, we, we are creating an environment where those beings can't thrive. And as growers and as gardeners and as farmers, we know that the entire insect population we require. So we don't spray. That's another thing. 
in addition to that, veganic growers also tend to create quite biodiverse ecosystems in their gardening systems. So whether we're talking about veganic farming like me, which is kind of I'm a row cropper, I, I plant in rows, but I plant as much diversity as possible. So at La Ferme de Lobe, we plant over 450 varieties of fruits, vegetable, herbs and flowers, a few trees. Uh, there is veganic permaculture too, which is kind of a circular approach to growing where uh, it's based on a circular system of where your home is and then kind of growing outwards from your food crops to your taller trees to or to your bushes to your taller trees. And then there's also edible veganic forest gardens, which are basically what a forest ecosystem would look like, but with the idea of planting for all creatures, but also for humans in kind of a layered approach where you have your small plantings, your bushes, your bigger trees, and then your tallest trees. So that's the gist of what began at growing and farming. The big circle coming all the way around for me as becoming a veganic grower is that I believe that as veganic growers, we should not primarily be thinking about growing food for us, but continuing to create those food sources for all the beings, for all the animals, the wild living creatures that live within our ecosystems. Yeah, and that's part of the veganic thing is that what, what percentage is it again of your crops that you usually delegate towards wildlife? Is that like, 30%? I think there is a thing. Yeah. So um, of all the garden space that we grow, 20% is grown specifically just for uh, wild creatures. So in the form of flowers and bushes, and um, I think it's 20, between 20 and 25%. Uh, grown just specifically for them. So we might take a few seeds, but everything goes from plant to flower to seed and then whoever wants to use it, the birds when they're migrating through, or um, we, it creates a lot of canopy. So for the, uh, the toads and the frogs and the and the, the gopher snakes that live there, they have an opportunity and the little creatures also, or the little mammal creatures also like the campagnoles, which would be a vole, uh, the moles, the, 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 the mice, everybody has a chance to live in that ecosystem. So yeah, 20 to 25%, depending on my calculations. If I think about this <laughs> well, a little longer. Right? 20%. <laughs> I a good 20%. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think I think working myself, and I know we've discussed this before, working in the sanctuary environment. Um, we were we talked about many things like the wildlife um considerations um security as well as the poop dilemma as we call it um i think for me the hardest thing to consider with regards to us getting a property and looking at keeping the individuals at the property safe the rescued individuals themselves but also realizing um any disease possible interactions zoonotic diseases from wildlife um I think there isn't really a good solution for that, correct? Like with, you just kind of have to create best practices with fencing and wildlife deterrence and, and creating, because as soon as you grow edible plants, it does attract those, those wildlife that loves to eat them, which also attracts their predators, which if you have a bunch of herbivores um, around kind of creates a very 
delicious spread for the uh, predators if there's no protection um, against them. Is there anything you add to that for sanctuary operators who want to, in a sense, create these veganic farms because they would love to promote veganic farming, um, but also have to deal with the issue with wildlife? Yeah, so here we also had a problem with, well, problem there, we have quite a white-tailed deer population. And the first year that I was here, we didn't have a fence at all. And we had quite a wonderful spread of broccoli and cabbages at the end of the year. And uh, all of a sudden I see this deer in the forest and he's looking at me or she's looking at me. And I, I know that what she's thinking. And so sure enough, that morning she comes and she basically eats what she wants to eat. She takes off the next day, she comes back with three friends and they eat it all. You know, they don't, it's so juicy and luscious, they just want to eat it all. So, so my solution was to put up a fence. Um, it's a fence where the, the deer can't get in. Um, we have other beings get in. I have like wood, wood uh, groundhogs that, that tunnel under or eat through the fence and come in. And even though they decide that they want to eat what they want to eat, we just create a situation where they eat maybe some stuff we're not too worried about. Um, kind of create the situation where they eat the Jerusalem artichokes, for example. If they eat all the tops off, well, it doesn't bother the roots too much. And, you know, they eat until there's a plethora of something else outside. So I think that the best solution for organic growers and probably um, for sanctuary people as what they have found with their animals is they have to try and keep them safe by making enclosures for them. Well, the same thing would apply with um, growing a veganic garden. You just create an enclosure. Yeah, and just make sure you do predator proofing and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and then um, with regards to, I think another one, which is kind of a fun topic to talk about is manure management. It is something that the Open Sanctuary Project, I'm going to pitch them here for anybody starting a sanctuary. They have a really good resource on manure management. But within what's very interesting for me, which is within the veganic um, farming, you do not use poop. So it does create a sense of a dilemma within the sanctuary community because some sanctuaries would like to use that poop because they have an abundance of it um, to be able to grow veggies. So what do you say to them? Yeah, so this is such a complicated question because most sanctuary owners that I know are vegan. Um, they don't want to exploit the beings that they don't want to exploit the beings that they haven't rescued. And by rescuing them, obviously they want to do the best that they can for them. And they want to promote veganism because that is the way to stop exploiting those beings, right? So then how, how do we deal with the manure issue? Well, the best idea that, well, actually we have come up with, you and, you and I, Serene, was that we create a circular system again where the manure for the animals is used to grow the crops that the animals need to eat. So if we're talking haze, if we're talking corn, if we're talking soybeans, well, and we would need scientists and we would need really good agriculturists to be able to figure out the actual numbers of how much manure can be put on a specific 
a specific piece of land so that there isn't going to be uh, manure runoff, so that there isn't going to be toxification of soils. Um, we are talking in some sanctuary settings quite a bit of manures. But what I also notice it's interesting about sanctuaries is that most of the time it's not just piles of manure, it's mixed with straw and hay and it's mixed with with uh, bedding material right so it's already kind of mixed half and half so it's already in a good position to compost itself. So for us, for you and I, Serena, and for those people who are wishing to start and want to do something, I really think that this is the solution try if there's enough space and it can be afforded to for the sanctuary to actually grow their own food, well then use that manure. And it would be kind of the same thing with humans. Like if we could figure out a way to use the human manure in a cyclical way so that it doesn't permeate the, 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 the Saint Laurent River here outside of Quebec or wherever we are, and we're not using good clean drinking water to flush our waste. And instead it's a way to be recycled back into the system. Um, I think that's the most perfect opportunity for the use of that. Um, as I, and I also kind of think about it as I know that there are some sanctuaries, especially one here in Quebec, where they are a sanctuary and a rescue, a wildlife rescue center. And sometimes they rescue hawks or eagles, or um, they also rescue carnivores, right? So they have to feed those animals meat. It's just the way it works. It doesn't make the people any less vegan. It's just, it makes the, the animals only can be what they can be. If they're a carnivore, they're a carnivore. They need to be a carnivore in order for them to survive. It's the way that those animals are made up. Thankfully, us as humans, we don't have to eat meat because we're not made up that way. We just have chosen in the past to eat this way, right? So I think that, um, if we look at also as that an example, then again, the whole manure using their own manure to grow their own food makes even more sense because we need those animals to eat the best quality food they can. The sanctuary has a problem with manure disposal, either paying for shipping it off to a dump or wherever they're going to ship it off to or putting into the forest. So instead, create a system where it comes back. And if there isn't space available, maybe there's a farmer close who would be willing to take that manure uh, use that on his own fields to then grow that exact same food to go back. It wouldn't be considered veganic, but it would be a closed system. And as far as I can tell in my own mind, that's the best that we could do. Yeah. And then something we talked about, I know before too, is the fact that let's say you do use the manure or you sell the manure or anything like that. It, it really comes down to the sanctuary and their mission, vision, purpose, um, and what they feel is best, but then you just can't like, just don't use the word veganic, correct? You could just say, you can disclose that it is a, yeah, it, it, that that's is where the stuff is coming from. So I did um, look into that manure management um, thing that we were looking at for the Open Sanctuary Project. Um, and they do actually mention our like closed loop system that we were talking mm. about so it is in practice but i think the hard thing is most sanctuaries don't have this space um and it really does come down to one of the issues within the sanctuary movement where we also have that with regards to um land management and making sure you don't take in more individuals than what you technically should have space for with regards to land and then so many different things so i think this is an, an, a very interesting and fun 
an important thing for any new sanctuaries or young sanctuaries to look at before you take in individuals to look at manure management, to look at land management and seeing how we also don't want to contribute to that pollution of the waterways like you were talking about or the groundwater, which is really important. Um, but is there any projects that you mentioned that there's some projects going on with sanctuaries that you are working with? Um, as far as the sanctuary movement goes, no. It's just something that came up. I think I was at a speciesism conference, anti-speciesism conference in Montreal a few years ago back, and there was a young sanctuary. They're called Safe Sanctuary, and they're in the eastern townships of Quebec. Yeah. And I asked that question. Yeah, you know them. Okay. Um, I asked them, um, so what do you do with all the manure? And you know, the, 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 the question didn't really get answered because there is no, there was no, there is no really good solution. But for me, I know that sanctuaries are super important to, to the vegan movement. Um, they're important for education, uh, the education of people when they go and visit to know that this is actually, you know, these are, these are sentient, living beings that have want to live their own lives. Um, they're not, not just on your plate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So they, I think not, and not only that, but they're also doing the 365 day per year work of taking care of these beings that can live, you know, 15, 20, 25 healthy years, if not 30 years. And we need we need y'all in our society, our, in our society of vegans. Um, we need you all going forward when we hopefully transition animal agriculture out of animal agriculture. We need places for these animals to go. But it's kind of like anything else. When we start a farm, there's a lot of people that start and go, oh, I'm going to start a farm and I'm going to grow veggies and it's going to be magic and there's going to be rainbows and, <laughs> and it's going to be perfect. But then in the end, there's like expenses and how do I deliver and what do I do with the waste and where do I get my product and how do I build a barn? And oh. so just like everything else, when you're planning something, and especially if you haven't started a sanctuary, look at every aspect of it. Look at what you're going to do with the manure once it's collected. You know what your animals you're envisioning having. How much manure is that animal going to produce per day, per, per week, per month? What are you going to do with it all? How much land do you have? How much people, how many, how many animal people can you have in your space? Like you just mentioned, Sarah, that people, you know, so you don't just keep grabbing. And I get it worry and all of a sudden you see that there's this exploitation happening and you have the opportunity to rescue you're going to want to rescue i get it so the the point is is that what we don't need our sanctuaries to get bigger we need more of them <laughs> but yeah, we and need more scales like sustainable smaller scale sanctuaries um that is the big one and i think yeah you've hit it perfectly i think when people go into the sanctuary it's very similar to what you were talking about with the farm where they think it's rainbows and cuddles with cows and that's all it is but there's just so much 
and to it, which includes like worrying about zoonotic diseases. Like we, we see the um, avian influenza that's happening coming from the States up to Eastern Canada now, which is a huge concern for, should be a huge concern for the sanctuary community as well, protecting their, their um, feathered friends. But like, you don't think about that. Plus the quarantine, the, the manure management, land management, like the volunteer management, there's just so much to it. And we always say the best thing to do is to go volunteer at least once a week for a year at a farm sanctuary. So you see all the seasons and maybe even get involved with some of the admin parts so you can see what's all involved with that because it's not as easy as people think. And we want more sanctuaries, but we want people to be smart about it. And we, we don't wanna have sanctuaries that are on par or worse than farm practices, you know? Like we want people to be the best of the best. They need to show that example of awesomeness that we wanna see in the future for our veganic world. So I think it is very important. And, and predator. that's why I think I love veganic farming and I wanna make it more mainstream and promote it, but it's there's so many aspects like one worrying about attracting more predators, worrying about especially rats too. People don't understand rats can kill chickens. And so that's a really hard one for us to try and figure out how you manage all that. But it's so it's such an interesting, exciting thing for the future. And that's why I love what you're doing. And I'm excited to plant my sunflower seeds this spring um, that we bought from you. <laughs> and I hope to buy many, many more seeds from you in the future. Um, so um, yeah, so I just, I really, really keep doing the amazing work. And thank you so much for coming on today and talking to me more about all the wonderful things with veganic farming. Yes, you're very welcome, Serene. This is awesome. And just for everyone out there, uh, if you want to contact me, if you have more questions about your sanctuaries, what I really believe probably needs to happen in these sanctuaries is when you're deciding what you're going to do with the manure or what you're going to do even with having a veganic farming aspect contact us those in the movement and it's not just me there's another there's two other really phenomenal organizations that are that are doing just fantastic veganic work that i'd like to plug one of them is are my friends megan kelly and stefan grillo uh, from Quebec City, uh, they have a website called the Veganic Agriculture Network, um, talking about and promoting methods all throughout North America. And they also have a course that's going on right now uh, that's called Learn Veganic. And it's great. I'm taking it myself just as a refresher course, just as an uh, inspirational motivator for, for what we do here. It's nice to have that nice community of people. So anyway, the those two, those two are doing amazing work over there. They've been doing it for a really long time and they have a lot of knowledge, especially in these kinds of questions. Another excellent group based out of the UK is called the Vegan Organic Network or Vaughn. And those people over there are on fire and they've been on fire for the last 30 years. And they are actually programs going on now in Europe where they're talking about converting over animal agriculture to plant-based agriculture using subsidy money, using private money to do this. So they are actually having some success. Um, there are sanctuaries over there as well. So all of us are in the same pod together and we just gonna, we just need to pull resources from each other and work together. And we're gonna make this thing happen. 
best yeah. for all of us. For all Amazing of us. knowledge sharing, right? It's the way to go. Knowledge sharing and support. That's it. But you need That's to plug it. your thing because I love the Facebook group that you have. Okay, so I just launched um, about a month ago the Veganic Growers Hour. Uh, and the Veganic Growers Hour is a YouTube live stream every other Thursday. We just had another one last night. Uh, you can find them through Facebook. Uh, you can find me, Jimmy Videlli, and the, the YouTube channel is Jimmy Videlli Veganic Grower. So you can subscribe to that if you wish. And if you don't, that's okay too. You can find, you can find the links online just by, just by plugging in Veganic Growers Hour. And what I'm doing, uh, something novel in its concept over the next 20 episodes, the next 40 weeks, I'm following the garden season with our discussions and our Q&A. So people will come on, they'll ask their questions. Last night was all about seed starting and the veganic soil starting mix. Uh, and the next time we're gonna continue talking about transplanting, how to transplant the little seedlings and then how to get them to the stage before you put them outside. So check that out also, if you'd like, it's gonna go real slow, go go step-by-step. Step. So, and if you miss one, it's okay. Cause you can watch it, uh, you can watch it in, in back on ARIAR. You can watch it uh, after, <laughs> after <laughs> but watch the one before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah anyway, on youtube and on that, facebook sir. that's it uh, youtube and on facebook thank you so much to jimmy vidali for recording this podcast with us if you would like to learn more about veganic farming do check out his youtube channel jimmy vidali veganic grower as well as the links below in this podcast description as always thank you for joining us today and learning more about veganic farming and until next time have a great day